0: I'm a child of the mother
1: I was born in 1994
0: How do I start? Poetry this? prescribed, pen perfectly poised he was
1: supposed to be you I've always been shit at math. Was he ever scared? In this poem Everything I want is already mine The
0: Spoken Podcast Yes, yes, yes. You're listening to the Word Spoken podcast, the poetry podcast, which brings you the best. I'm your host, Henry. How are we all doing? I hope everyone's keeping well. Um, Just a couple of little things before I tell you about Abena Bediako, who's coming onto the show this week. Um, If you want to watch the entirety of this episode, do so. Head over to our YouTube channel and you can watch all of the performances as well kind of watch along with the conversations that we have so go and check that out word spoken podcast on youtube um also we're on tiktok nowadays you know we're keeping down and cool with the kids <laughs> um so give us a follow on tiktok go and flick through some of the things basically what's on there is essentially just the performances from each uh, episode but you know help out in any way you can um so yeah Coming on to the show this week, we have the wonderful Abina Berdiaco. Um She performs three amazing pieces for us. We get to hear um, one called Shallow Tongue. The next one, No One Ever Talks About Friendship Love. And finally, a poem called Queer Diaspora. Now, Abena is also part of the Camden Roundhouse Poetry Collective. So it's really exciting to kind of get um, uh, someone from that collective involved on the show. Um, They're also involved in the BBC Words First competition this year. She has made it through to the final 12, which is an amazing effort. I'm so excited for her. Um, And so essentially, that kind of final slam of the final 12 people is coming up a little bit later on in this year up in Carlisle so we wish her the best in that. Um, Look I really think you're going to enjoy this episode just a reminder again if you want to watch the whole thing head over to YouTube. Um, The first piece that we're going to hear from Abina is entitled Shallow Tongue.
1: We scatter into the school hall, preteens, fizzing, underarms sticky from the forced football lesson inflicted on me. But here, here, my eyes are transfixed on the curved moon of chair to drum. Two tall men, thick with pigment, greet us, seat us down. They lift a curved root to the palm of their stretched-skinned drums, adinkra cymbals etched deep into the wood. The sound, taut, bassy from all the tight stringing. And then they sing to us. ba 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 ba, she, ba, ba. Oh she baba Baba she baba Oh she baba Oh she baba she Baba Oh she baba she baba Baba she we sing it back. And as I belt, crickets on phone calls with cousins, broken mother tongue to grandma, hazy memories of orange dirt roads patch up. heal. They tell us they are from Ghana. My sore palms read from all the one, two, three, one, two, three, bidi-bam-bam, bidi-bam-bam-bam. Worth. Every blister now. I wear my name like the weight that it is. Abna. They call me their sister. My grin so wide it greets mama when the bell rings. So I relay the melody. My smile pops. No, Abna. when ye Not our tribe. Mama says, this is Ga, And in that moment, my tongue knows how weak it is. How much they are yet to learn about this place they call half a home, yet how she will still curl herself towards any hint of it. Because this is what we do. Hang our teeth on vague recollections of grandma smashing for four in the courtyard. Chew on it. Live off the buzz of dad's and Nancy's stories in the kitchen. Cling onto mama's cooking. Cling onto random men smashing African drums to spark up wavering pride in us. Cling onto Ghanaian birthday songs. Fold our skin into wells that keep the black in us alive. <laughs>
0: hello (laughs) and we are rolling so there we go that was abina Bediako with a lovely piece called shallow tongue um thank you so much for coming on to word spoken and performing that wonderful piece for us to kind of kick things off um how are you doing How's things?
1: I'm good. Ed, yeah. yeah, things are good. Things are really
0: good at the moment. <laughs> we had we had to kind of rearrange this a couple of times, which is fine. Yeah. Which is fine. <laughs> but we sort of eventually got there. We
1: eventually got, we eventually that, got there. But yeah. honestly,
0: it's a pleasure to have you down and to have you on. So, um, yeah, thank you very much for doing that. Thank so, you for having look, me. Look, I um, really, really loved that first piece. Thank um, you. Your, your voice on it is lovely. Like, you sing very, very well. Um, So let's kind of, just for kind of people listening, let's kind of bring this right back to when you first started getting into spoken words. So what was your journey into this art form?
1: So I've always really loved creativity in general. Um, And I always kind of sang and wrote poems, like, on my phone. Um, But it wasn't until university when I was in my second year of university in 2018, that I got involved in UNISLAM. And so I ended up being in a team of four poets and we went to UNISLAM and it was actually in Leicester that year. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just a team of four poets and we just... I started performing from there. So I I did my first poem, my poem, My Black Cloud. um, And I also did another poem that I can't remember the name of at the moment. (laughs) Um, And then I just fell in love with it. And it was just such a beautiful environment to go into because I think the spoken word, especially at Unislam, the community is what really makes it. And you just get to learn and create friendships with people when they perform their poetry. And you get to learn so much about their worlds and what they go through. Um, and I just fell in love with it from there. And then after that, I kind of just like entered lots of different spoken word competitions in Leicester while I was at university there. So, um, some antics, um, and then I won the championship slam in some antics, um, (laughs) um, and, uh, you know, find the right words in Leicester run by Jess Green, all these different things I just kept doing. And then, um, I entered the Roundhouse Poetry Slam Finals. Yes, got to the finals, which was really cool. Um, from there, it just kind of opened up. I, you know, was doing different projects, were in Leicester and in London, and I got into the Roundhouse Poetry uh, Collective, and um, and then BBC Words First recently. So it's just been an, just a, it's <laughs> it's been a really lovely and journey. It's been it took a while, I think. When I first started I didn't really know what my style was but I've mm. been growing and I'm finally at a place where I'm starting to enjoy writing fully and enjoy like like my work. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: No, I mean that is um it's so much has happened in such a short short space of time because so when you did that UniSlam, that's back in 2018 right so we're talking 2 years.
1: Yeah. And yeah. in
0: all that time you've you've come on a really long way and as you said your most recent thing is you're part of the BBC Words First Uh, program which is amazing so well done but so I really want to um, speak about that in a little bit but first of all I want to ask how long had you been writing prior to getting into spoken words so prior to that uni slam how long had you been writing and like did you have pieces for
1: Mm. I don't know that it was ever the spoken word pieces I had it was kind of just like I remember like I'd be sitting by my windowsill late at night I wouldn't be sleeping or something and then I'd just be kind of like jotting some stuff down some of them were really like imaginary poems kind of like talking in a voice of someone I imagined um but I always loved poetry in school um my teacher my English teacher was amazing um in secondary school and so there was definitely that connection to literature and reading whether it was novels or poems or music i've always loved art in that way mm. so i think in the beginning poetry specifically was more of like a hobby and way to get out things that i wanted to say or just wanted to explore and just calm myself down um it was more music that i was like writing songs for and i wrote songs throughout like all of my teenage um teenage years um but yeah poetry was more, more mm. unique.
0: so what like do you think it was that kind of led you to kind of turn those pieces which you had in your phone which you kind of as you said didn't really think they were spoken word pieces mm-hmm. or what was it that kind of led you to be like actually do you know what I'm gonna enter this thing like was there how do you like what was that process
1: so it was actually a specific process um so I I mean, the person who really inspired me to feel like I could do this was Sarah Kay. Mm-hmm. She is the poet that I just, I found my voice in. Um, and I still love her poems to this day. Um, but I think it was actually a very specific way I got into UniSlam. I had actually started creating my own society at university. Oh, yeah. um, it was called Creative Space, which hopefully one day I will bring to life. Um, but it didn't end up working out. But at the Freshers Fair I ran into Francis, who was in um the UniSlam team with me in my first oh, in my first year. <laughs> in my first year and in my second year yeah. of 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 Unislam. Um and he's actually in the BBC Words first Final Twelve. As me, well. There you
0: go. And found out
1: on the on the on the Tuesday. Um, but yeah, so he was actually the person who was in the creative writing team and he was like, you know, we're doing this thing called UniSlam. And I was like, Oh my god, like that sounds really cool. Um uh and then I joined the team. I joined the team from there and I thought about because I I said, Oh, I've always wanted to get into spoken word, I've always wanted to do poems. Um and I thought, oh, I've got a few things on my phone, but they're not really spoken word pieces. And I was just like, yeah, well, we can adapt that. We can, when we get there, we'll get there. Um, and so that's literally the story of how it started. <laughs> it was at Freshers' Fair. And I was like, yeah, let's let's go for this.
0: It's, um, it's quite... It's quite an interesting thing because uh, lots of people actually do get into spoken words at a little bit of a later stage in life. Like at uni is kind of pretty common around that kind of age. Why do you think it wasn't something that you had access to or got involved with when you were writing those songs, for for, for example, as a like teenager in those first few years?
1: I think, again, I've always kind of liked poetry, but... I can see why, like at, at school, the poems are very, you know, dated from way back when. Um, and so it didn't really feel as contemporary as now, like spoken word. I remember seeing one of my first spoken word um, videos um, when I was in I think he had eight or something doing um, religious education and it just felt so distant. It felt like, Oh, you know, it had a style to, it. it was kind of like almost like the guy was almost rapping in a way. Like he had that kind of like rhythm to his, his poem. Um, and I just felt like it was just so distant. It was like, oh, this is spoken word. This is poetry in school. There was no like cohesive link between any of it. Yeah. Um. So I just, I never really kind of like linked the two of like, oh yeah, this can be something I can explore and this could be an art form. It was just like, oh, these like, you know, renaissance writers from back in the day who are you know something we study in an anthology and like it was like so prestigious and nothing that it didn't really feel accessible i guess it is
0: a real shame and i think it's it's what so many people say like and it's really really common people's perception of poetry when they're kind of at school in those teenage years is this very distant unrelatable art form that's like outdated and has and has got nothing to reflect the way that you live and the world in which you live in right it's written in other times by people you can't relate to in any way it's a real shame though isn't it because mm. because actually there is a wealth of people out there a wealth of poets uh, like a wealth of content which loads of kids would really resonate with and it would get them thinking it would get them writing you know maybe even stepping into performing as well that you don't have to get them on a stage to kind of get involved with this do I'd like think it's a real shame but you're right it's it's some, is something that's kind of really common. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But what was it like then? So wh- when you had kind of done this UniSlam, right? So wh- what was your kind of uh, residing feeling having done it for the first time?
1: Oh, I was terrified. Oh my God. I was terrified. But I remember when they all gave us a number um, of in the team. And I remember as they were about to call my number, it was about, it was like time for me to go up. I was like to myself, Abana. You're going up there to tell your story. Remember why you wrote it. You can do this. And I just channeled all of that, all of this excitement, all of this, like, week's worth of practice that I'd, you know, built up. And then I went up and I just gave it everything. I also, I recently looked back at my clip. Uh, <laughs> so what I was that like? Oh, my God. I've, it's, I'm have i a completely different performer, I feel. It was, I, I still had the same energy, but it was very much like words were very overemphasized I feel like I didn't know my sound yet it was very much based on like different I guess different ways that I thought I could perform my poetry and there's no set way to perform poetry you know you can perform it anyway you can overemphasize words you can do it but it's just like it's just so distant to how I was and I hadn't really grown into my voice so it was kind of like it was a beautiful feeling to watch it back but it was also weird (laughs) to see it i was like oh this is interesting this is so different um but i i when i did go up it it was i could tell i was really into it and i was really into it and it meant everything i just gave it my all Mm. and the response was really cool as well and people really resonated to it and i respect everything that it was um And I just, it was such a rush. It was a rush. I just, I loved every second. And I was like, I I simply must do this again. Mm. (laughs) And
0: it's great because you did. And then it's kind of led you to do loads of different things. And now like spoken word is a really big part of your life, right? Mm -hmm. It's—it's Yeah, so that's, I think it's really, really cool. I think that's kind of a little um, nudge to anyone that is listening that maybe has a couple of poems on their phone or, you know, thinks they kind of want to get into this in just two years, right? you can, you've, you're, you're going to be on BBC Radio 1, essentially, right? Yeah. So that is, and that's the short space of time, but when you kind of find that confidence and you find the stage and then suddenly you're like, okay, boom, I found my thing. And I think it's really cool with you. So yeah, I'm, I'm really pleased that that whole kind of process has like happened for you and it's wicked. So yeah. Um, so look, uh, I want to hear about your second piece that you're going to perform for us on the show so the piece is entitled no one ever talks about friendship love what's the
1: context for this one so this one is about my best friend mm-hmm. Ayana Kioni Lisa Oh hi <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, she is she means everything to me um she I I met her at university and I kind of went into university not really having any sense of like real proper friendships I'd had quite a tricky time at, um, in secondary school. Um, it wasn't the best experience for me. There was, you know, cases of like really awful things and arguably bullying as well. And mm. so I just kind of, you know, went in and also mental health and stuff. I just didn't know myself and I was learning to, I didn't have any concept of what it meant to have a healthy friendship. And I met her in such a specific way <laughs> in mental health society. Okay, um, And... Yeah, I just tapped her because I recognised her hair, which you will probably hear about in, in lectures. And then just from there, the rest was history. Yeah. And so it's just about that journey and how much I love her, basically.
0: Well, that is beautiful. Like, have you? I've, I've, I've always thought that. Um, what? Like, I've tried to imagine what I've never had a poem written about me. You know, I'm waiting. <laughs> but what? What? Like, have I'm? She's obviously had this. Yeah. So what did she? Like, how did she, res- how did she re- respond mm. the first time she heard it? Like, what can you, what must that feel like? So I'm
1: actually, <laughs> I'm actually really extra when it comes to, because I just, I think she just means a lot to me. And I'm a poet. And when I love, I love hard. Um, and so it wasn't the first time I'd written a poem before. Okay. <laughs> You know, it was, um we, I, 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 like back in Leicester, there was this night called Find the Right Words. And... um i wrote a poem for our anniversary it was like a year or so that we met and um i was like yeah we're, we're celebrating this day and uh she was sat in the crowd we wore matching jumpers by accident um and i just <laughs> i i performed for her in the crowd and like the whole crowd was there and she I was like it's about this this fabulous person here <laughs> um <laughs> so, so oh god um, oh. <laughs> fine, that way. so uh, yeah minor
0: mic uh tech thing there. So, look, um, it's, I'm so excited for everyone to hear this piece I think it's a really wonderful piece So let's hear this This is Abina Berdiako With No One Ever Talks About Friendship Love
1: Love at first sight I tapped you Your wine curls Thick frames Red and black leather bomber jacket All turned around to beam at me I told you I recognized your hair from psychology lectures. Grinning, you told the story of how your hair was a siren that lured eager freshers that were dying to make new friends. My mind was heavy hell that day. You didn't see it that way. Keyed my number into your phone, your immediate text already interrupting any doubts that it wouldn't last. Are we official? It took me months to fully trust you, but somewhere in between my cries on your bathroom floor, you tilting my chin up to tell me the sun and I were on the same level, somewhere in between our post-seminar chats, faces glowing amber, red, moss green under the stretch of a traffic light. Our warm breath turning mist in the cold, somewhere in between our streams of voice notes, you helped me to unlearn the songs abandonment had taught me to sing. That night, you introduced me to the new bay. You said, This is my best friend, Avena, in the sticky nightclub queue, and I geeked out, even through the blur of alcohol. In the morning, When I sobered, I told everyone. Honeymoon phase. I hear your squeals in the bean stew I have for dinner. The plantain tastes extra good now. When it's icy, my headphones warm my ears. I know you miss the sun. I don't skip Daniel Caesar some days, so I can bring you with me as I walk home. There are so many memories I refuse to forget. Like screaming, dripping in finesse, half drunk, all the way to the cash machines, just so you could help me block out things I would rather forget. First fight. Pedestals are burning. We are finally human. No longer gods, just humans who still care viciously for one another. The day we rubbed each other the wrong way, I had no idea where to put all of my anger. So used to turning to us, to fit all my pieces into all the right places. Meeting the family. Your Sri Lanka, leaving trip, surprise party, midday. I was late. You still squealed upon my arrival. I sat stiff-postured, fiddling the fork on the table in a sea of unfamiliar faces. We all love you. I blink. Twice. Your friends, your family, they seem to like me. I've barely said a word. We sneak away. Toilet break. Code for we haven't had a moment to really talk yet. I don't spill food all over myself. The day is successful. Did I mention that me and your mother voice note now from time to time? I think that means I've made it. Marry me? (laughs) You hold space for every inch of my spectrum. Remind me it is okay to be scared, but do it anyway. I manifest your bright future like it is already present. Although there is no altar no official place to read my vows I will still make it insta official still blast friendiversary on my Snapchat story every year the day you took my number god the universe or whatever you want to call it knew exactly what they were doing <laughs>
0: So there we go. That was Abina Bediako with No One Ever Talks About Friendship Love. Um, what a wonderful piece that was. Again, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That was, um, <laughs> that was really, really lovely. Thank you. Um, so uh, what I want to chat about now, we have obviously briefly mentioned it already, but I, um, just kind of for the listeners, really, this did come up last week with Joe, um, and he wasn't aware of what BBC Words First is. So you're um, in the final 12 of uh, this com competition. But could you, first of all, tell us kind of what is BBC Words First and how has the process kind of played out up until this point?
1: Okay, so... BBC Words First. Oh, right. So um, <laughs> it was basically... We had to send in a video as an audition, and then we were selected. So there was quite a few groups. I think there were like six groups in total, and yeah, I got through into so the one of them. Mine were on Mondays. I completely forgot the question. <laughs> Do you mind reminding the question for me? No Sorry. <laughs> BBC <word> First. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So how did it how did it play how, out? Yeah. So
0: what was the kind of first steps of the process like, and where's it kind of leading to? Right. Have you have you already been on you ready one has that, has that has that happened yet okay so no 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 no.
1: so we've had our workshops first so we um my mentors were diana roger Ro- diana rogers and adam cameling mm. and um owen cravin griffith because <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, i know him by john berkovich a, yeah. a poetry name um yeah, so they were basically, like, he was hosting the session and those were my mentors. And um, so we've had our workshops, we've had our, like, master classes with them. And then through that course, we had to, like, basically write a new piece of writing, um, which was going to be submitted. And then from there, there would be a final 12 that were selected. Cool. Um, so it, a, a lot of the things we were taught was... You know, write with intention and learning about metaphor, which is really something I wanted to like master in this next in in this next stage of my writing. Um, and yeah, we just had to like learn different things, learning how to perform because it had to all be digital the mm-hmm. way we recorded it because of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we had to film it you know send it through we had a watch party in our group it was just such a beautiful beautiful environment it felt like home I felt I hadn't written in a while and it was just the boost that I needed um
0: so you're now in the final 12 and there's ultimately going to be a slam right of those final 12 yes um so when and where is that taking place
1: that is happening on the 26th of October of september in Mm -hmm. carlisle
0: um yeah so so will all 12 of the performances be played out at at some point or i think
1: so i I think think so i think it's going to be either broadcasted or some people might do it remotely depending on their Mm. situation um that is
0: amazing honestly like congrats thank you because um obviously you know you're already part of the roundhouse collective which is very impressive but to make it on to this bbc Words first thing i mean there will be thousands of people applying for that mm-hmm. um literally thousands so to get down to the final 12 must feel really amazing. like what what yeah what does that feel like oh. is it yeah. is it like yeah. yeah what when you found out you made it to the last 12 how how what was going through your head i was
1: screaming literally <laughs> screaming yeah. um i think I think I've had a lot of doubt with my writing. I've always had a love-hate relationship with it and kind of, there's been so many points where I'm like, ah, I just don't think that this is going to work. Maybe I should just give up. And I don't know if it's, you know, translating. I've always had that. And so I've, you know, to keep pushing, you know, to build like a creative community sometimes that will be like no apply or like friends and stuff and then keep going for things it just finally feels like the hard work is paying off all of the tears all of the worries everything and just keeping on like keep on biting and stuff like that like it just feels like it's paying off Mm. and I'm just excited and I'm starting to like my work like I'm actually at that place and so I'm just yeah I'm really excited to grow as a writer
0: wicked well look I cannot wait to kind of see where that goes for you i genuinely wish you the best in that as well like it will be really great um so look i think now is actually come the time where we're going to put your love hate relationship (laughs) writing to the test so um what we're gonna jump into in just a few seconds is of course the 155 challenge now um i hope you're ready for this i think you're gonna like it 155 (laughs) 155 <laughs> one, is the part of the show where we challenge our guests to a quick fire free write the rules are as follows you must pick one word out of that box right in front of you and use it as a prompt to write a piece you have got one minute 55 to complete this task after which you solemnly swear to read it out loud do you solemnly swear to read i, it out I loud? solemnly swear
1: do you? yes are you ready for this i am okay
0: cool so the first thing that we need to do um, is pick out a word. So if you want to give it a little shake, make sure it's completely random. Let's see what word is coming out for Abina. I, I can see you're kind of nervous. Oh, no!
1: What is the word? <laughs> nostril! <laughs>
0: oh, my God. Word? Is, right, now I put some random words in there, and that's one of them. So the word, ladies and gentlemen, is nostril. Oh now, you can... <laughs> that was probably one of the weirder ones, to be honest. So that's just your luck. Oh so... Okay, what I'm going to do is give you a countdown in just a little bit, right? But before we do that, I want everyone listening at home to know that you can take part in this as well. Um, Enter your pieces. Basically, we're going to have the countdown in 1 minute 55. You've got to be honest. But if you send me in whatever you guys come up with, then one of you listening will win yourself your very own word spoken mug. I mean, what's not to like about that? So... um, I think we make sure you've got your pen and your pencils ready or your phone, whatever you're using. We're just going to get up to the countdown in a little sec. Now, are you ready, Abina?
1: I think Nostril. so. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, ready? Your time starts now.
1: One, five, five,
0: five. Okay, we've got 155 on the clock. Abner is writing away a piece with the prompt of the word nostril. I do apologise. I don't know where that word came from, but I'm going to tell you a little fact about nostrils, as I often do. The most painful place on the human body to be stung by a bee is the nostril. So that's a, that's a fact. And also, a polo mint takes 42.5 minutes to dissolve if you stick it up your nose. So there's two... There's ridiculous and uh very pointless facts for you about nostrils so look we're coming up to nearly halfway with this 155 challenge i say we're about a third of the way through now i've done this a couple of times people and it's not easy okay so basically whatever comes out at the end we're going to give aben a little bit of time to like collect whatever she's written and then i look forward to her reading it out It's getting a little bit closer. Just a reminder, guys, if you want to win a Word Spoken mug, then send in whatever you come up with in this time. I can't wait to see whatever kind of comes out in this short space of time. We've got about 30 seconds left. It's getting very, very... We're doing a lot of writing now. I think is going to be actually surprisingly very oh my good God, at this. No. <laughs> I I got you got
1: this. I'm so bad at this. You
0: got this. We're coming up to probably about 20 seconds left. It's building, the tensions hitting, nostrils, people, noses, nostrils. <laughs> okay, we come out to the 10-second countdown. 10, 10, 10 9, 9, 8, 8, 7. This is terrible. <laughs> Put down your pens, ladies and gentlemen, and Abana. Okay, so I literally apologise. Do you know what? When I was trying to come up with with the words, I was like, I'll just chuck in some weird ones, and that's one of them. So um, anyway, look, uh, let's hear Abana's... Yeah, I'll give you a little time, maybe just kind of read through it and get see what you're up with. Yeah, you ready? Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. So let's hear... <clears throat> entry for the One Five Five Challenge with the word nostril.
1: <laughs> okay, I flare my nostril, grip my teeth, wash, wash the grease of the day away. COVID means I'm extra scared of dirt, so I scour, scour my fear away. The water wakes my skin, replenishing, replenishing. Yes, well done. <laughs> that was
0: really nice. Yeah. That was really nice. <laughs> Well done. Thank you. Was that, was that stressful? I feel like,
1: yeah, I was just like, oh no, what do I write? <laughs> I feel like
0: that was really stressful. Like I could like stand. do you know what? That was, that was lovely. Yeah. That was actually really good. Okay, cool. I feel like uh, with those kind of things is like, you don't know where anyone is going to take them. Mm. And like, I I didn't expect it to be so like heartwarming and lovely. <laughs> that was, I thought Nostra was going to like, but that, that was great. Well Thank done. You. So yeah. Reminder people listening at home, send in whatever you came up with in that time. And you can win yourself a word spoken mug. in that fun? <laughs> which we're drinking our green teas out of which yes, is, Yours is it's probably very, cold by now we yeah, did that about an hour uh, yeah. ago a cold green tea you can have a cold green tea out of your mug if that's something you're uh, down with so look um, thank you for playing the one for five challenge that was really good fun so uh, let's kind of have a little conversation now um, you kind of mentioned in that piece obviously the, the disaster that has been COVID-19 how have you found whilst being locked down um, did you find it an easy time to write? no
1: no, not really? at all. Um, it was only towards the end of lockdown again, I kind of had was going through a bit of a rush patch with my writing before bbc before BBC words first. Yeah. Um, I kind of was like, I don't know if this is the right path. I have a <laughs> lot. Um, and Black Lives Matter had just blown up and it was trauma was everywhere. Um so it was a lot to hold and then I already had like mental health that I was dealing with and that was really exasperated by everything that was going on and so I wasn't writing at all I think I was just finding it as a really tricky time to to create um Yeah it was a hard time it was a hard time to to be a person existing in that time and mm. to 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 navigate how I was supposed to feel I d- there's no way to feel but I guess that's something that helped me as well is that I wasn't alone in that. Like I knew that there were other Black folk who were feeling the same thing, um, that I could talk to about it. But yeah, it was it was it wasn't
0: easy. Yeah, I mean it was a genuinely like well, it still kind of is going on, isn't it? Really, but yeah, it's a genuinely it shocking couple of months, wasn't it? And mm-hmm. Definitely even more so when everything kind of flared up with the Black Lives uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so I'm I'm pretty sure from your Instagram I saw you actually what you you went to one of these marches right so what was the kind of uh, experience like for mm-hmm. you?
1: Um, I ended up actually I went by myself <laughs> and I think my family were quite worried about me because you know going to a protest by yourself is is arguably a dangerous thing but there was something within me that was like I need to be there I mm. just need to be there it was. Um, It was, I think, Pride Weekend? That weekend, yeah. It was Pride Weekend. And this was the Black Trans Lives Matter movement. I didn't actually get to that one until I actually had finished because I went and I joined not the wrong protest. Each, every protest is just as, you know, important to be walking in. But that was the intention to go to the Black Trans Lives Matter one. I went to the Shukri Abdi one and then I went by myself and I made a friend (laughs) whilst marching. And I was, yeah. Um, And then we kind of walked through it. And it was just a really emotional but powerful atmosphere where, you know, I could just see so many people like me and we were, we were fighting. We've always been fighting, but it, was, it, it brought me a sense of peace as well, um, seeing different races coming together in, in, that, in that way. Um, and then I went to the Black Trans Lives Matter one. And, and even though it was coming to an end, it was actually a really magical time in a way, even though there was a lot of pain um, I ended up seeing people that I knew, a person from the collective, um, and um meeting other, you know, other queer black folk. And I think in this time, you know, not necessarily having nights or like poetry nights or like, you know, black queer meetups, mm. it was just a really nourishing um to to go and be part of and just have conversations with everyone and ask them how they were feeling and talk about our history, so much of our history that has been censored during this time Um, learning about so many different things like the Maroons in Jamaica who, you know, originated from Ghana which is where my family is from and just so many parts of my history and talking about some things and just sharing experiences, whether, you know, bittersweet, happy or sad. And I went home feeling a lot more recharged and just grateful that I'd gone. Mm. Um, it was never, it's not, it's never been an easy experience to be a black person. Um, but I think just in that time it was really, really heavy and it was just a lot to hold. But yeah, that, that protest gave me a lot of hope.
0: Yeah, no, I think one one of the things which is perhaps because obviously Black Lives Matter has been a movement for a number of years, right? But what what does feel a bit different this time round is the kind of broad consensus, right? And the kind of in and the involvement of pretty much everyone, right, at these kind of mm-hmm. marches and stuff. It was it was not necessarily just black people, was it? It was a kind of real, it like felt like it was the nation behind this movement you know which 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 i think in the past it hasn't always felt like that um is that is that something which you would say is true or i don't know
1: i i feel (laughs) like it, it was encouraging to see allyship and you know people you know posting about it and you know at at protests as well specifically you know showing up but i think there's also the element of performative allyship that we don't know if everyone is genuinely for it i also feel that It was definitely lovely to see allyship, but I don't believe that the entire country would are are behind it in the sense of, you know, that like the Tories are definitely still doing so much to scrap and to to you know undermine working class people, black folk all the time, you know, trans folk. Mm. And so I think there's a lot of work to be done. I feel like it was huge, and suddenly you know it was just trendy to be black. Every black person was everywhere um well I think that is yeah. that is
0: definitely one of the s- slight problems with something when it does uh blow up and kind of really does become part of the mainstream you know it was all over the news wasn't it all over social media and stuff is uh you do get a chunk that kind of potentially just tag along mm-hmm. I guess but but I mean yeah my, my overriding feeling from obviously I'm not black so I don't have the experience of someone that has kind of suffered with the issues which the movement is kind of talking about but i think i think for me like honestly so i i actually wasn't in england during this time so i actually couldn't go to any of the marches it was a real shame but i just felt just 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 as a visual right just seeing all the photos that i saw and all of the kind of everyone's um instas and what was coming out in the news i just felt i don't know like that's from a out from an outsider's point of view i just felt like okay cool there's actually that feels like everyone's in on this, you know, like, there, I think there's only been a few, like, protests, you know, over the past few years or so, which have genuinely felt like, okay, this is the voice of most people. Like, I think it was a little bit like that with that Brexit march, there was, like, carnage, like, a crazy amount of people out there. <laughs> like, I mean, and, um, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So uh, did you find, have you written a piece about the black lives matter movement yeah kind of since everything's happened
1: um so in a way mm, my next piece is kind of kind of touches on that slightly and recently i took part in this thing with creative mind um and yeah my poem was about like the mental health struggles and um the black lives matter movement and Mm. everything so i definitely have been starting to write poems that kind of tackle that as well um Yeah, I guess as well, one thing to just mention is it was definitely hopeful, like with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, there was definitely the protest gave me a lot of hope. But I think it's just that whole thing of like, it can't just be a moment. And this has been forever. And, and it's just like, okay, movement and people talking, but also action, action is the most important thing. And, and that when this dies down, and it's not a trend, like, it's not trending, like it's still people are actively doing things. That's Mm. what is going to bring that lasting hope.
0: I I like, I think one of the reasons i'm just thinking out loud here i think one of the reasons why it's actually quite common which is um which is a which is very unfortunate i hope it and i hope this doesn't happen right but why things are so often now trends and like uh basically based on a hashtag and they kind of come and go and make making real changes a much much harder task than getting someone to share something is it's just because of social media i just think we're we're so used to like a kind of quick um, snapshot, like bite-sized piece of information that kind of, we just scroll past and click like, and it, we've kind of condensed our attention span to, to consume current affairs. I I think to a hashtag to a trend and, and it, I, it's really unfortunate. I think because, well, it has its pros and cons, right? Because a, it has given us the ability to kind of really spread everything. So there was loads of stuff going around social media, wasn't there? Like, um, so that obviously helps get the message out there, and like anyone can post up a video and convey their experience, and so that does level things out and give exposure to things which otherwise otherwise might not get that. Mm-hmm. But the downside to it, I I think is it's it's actually a bit harder to really enforce genuine change mm-hmm. because people feel like they've done their bit mm-hmm. by clicking and sharing and doing whatever they go. Cool, I'm. It's just I'm yeah as, literally as if it's gone away and I think it's a real shame and I hope it doesn't happen with this movement I don't know you know I guess we'll have to see how things play out mm. um, but maybe I'm an optimist right? I kind of just uh, yeah. hope that this is a turning point yeah. so look I think that leads us does leave us uh, quite nicely onto your third and final piece mm. so um, oh I've got my little notes what it's called what's it called ah the queer diaspora so give us the kind of preamble to this piece
1: So this piece was the beginning of it was very centered in the now. Um, and it was my piece for BBC words first, the first part. And I didn't expect the beginning to have the weight that it did, but I, it felt right. It felt like that was the place. And then it kind of like, despite having so much weight to it and, you know, was being centered in a lot of pain. It it also moved then to an element of hope. Mm -hmm. Um, and, It was basically a celebration of my chosen family, all the queer people of colour, kind of a representation of all the queer people of colour that I have in my life. Um, And just how much, you know, them being there has helped me to understand myself better and how we hold space for each other.
0: Well, look, um, I love this piece, by the way. Just saying, so I'm excited for everyone to hear it. So, okay, so let's hear this third and final piece. This is Abner Bediako with the Queer... Diaspora.
1: Oil. Thick soup greets me from upstairs. Abna, mumbram bididi. Another black trans woman killed. Wash my blood-stained eyes, swap for mama's words. Mama says crying won't shape tomorrow. You can cook. Good, you're a vessel, whoops, woman, am I a woman? No time to question, dad's home. We talk black lives, how this country will never really see us. How diaspora should all flood home to Ghana, but mama says, Ghana says, mama says, gays are bad. Ugh, that woman turned man, all of this laced into, I love you. Learn to scratch out white noise. Find a you. You. And here. Where I am your head, brimming with scarlet box braids. The first time I mumble queer through mouthfuls of Byron's burger, I am the gap between your grin. The moment you wrap your black skin round my back ever since. Here. Here. I am our game of snap, but we both scream, I'm queer too. Run round the table with liquid and laughter exploding onto our coloured cheeks. We block out tree, Bengali, fathers who devour penal codes. They don't know what we know, that our people were fluid before the whitewash prayed the gay away. Here, I am our FaceTime calls, your bisexual Bob. Skirting rooms, dodging footsteps so I can button up dad's shirt as you toss my gender up into the ether, unearthing all my possibility. Here, I am your long-limbed shimmy towards me. Shocked to find another Negro in rainbow stripes, our fingers encased by the end of the night as we cha-cha slide with Allah and Jesus in nightclubs that fly our flags. This country that murders yet gives us all the love we long to receive.
0: So thank you very much for performing that. That was uh, a poem called Queer Diaspora. I did say the Mm -hmm. before, didn't I? You did correct me when it was (laughs) was played. But generally, I think that's a really, really powerful piece. So, yeah. I honestly loved it. And honestly, um, a quick reminder for people listening or watching is that you can watch this. So if you kind of listen to that piece and you want to see it in action, you can see the visuals to it as well, head over to YouTube because all of this episode, um, the entirety will be up there. Um, and also each each of the poems has their own little separate vi- video. So go and check that out because um, I think one of the other things I really like about your work is your performances. I just think you kind of really... you just have such a endearing like smile on your face when you say these pieces and like a really kind of gentle tone but you kind of deal with um, things which have depth right so I think that kind of contrast that contrast makes it kind of really rich so um, yeah I like it a lot Um, so I want to have a little chat about something which is kind of linked to that as well. So you've very recently kind of cut your hair, I have. pretty short. I really have. So yeah. um, and you and you did a couple of posts about it. So what what was kind of um cutting your hair and having very short hair? Uh, what kind of does that mean to you?
1: So, I began my natural hair journey with having short hair. So, I kind of always will link to that and like just have that first genesis of seeing my curls for the first time. But this time it held more weight um, because during lockdown, one of the things that came up for me was gender and questioning gender and what does that mean for me? And there's no way to, you know, explore gender, there's no right way. But for me, cutting my hair was a base so that I could channel femininity and masculinity you know in my own ways and just have the freedom to do that um I was yeah I was just starting to question like what does what where do I fit in the gender spectrum so many different things now I'm kind of like more comfortable with using different pronouns so she they is where I'm at right now okay. I'm not really sure what my label is maybe non-binary I'm not sure I'm still figuring it out but um yeah, that day was a really, it held a lot of weight and my best friend as well, who I talk about in the poem, came all the way from South London to be there, to help, like, to, to cut my hair. She filmed the whole thing. um. So I get to look back on that and I was just feeling a lot of, I was fearful. I was like, ah, oh, this is so much, like, my hair's coming off, but... I just felt a lot of peace afterwards mm. and during I was enjoying the process. I felt like my spirit was just resting. <laughs> um, so I just knew that it was the right decision. And from there, I've just been able to just like some days be like, I kind of look like a boy right now. And I love that. And I, you know, feel different ways and hold space to, to be whatever I want to be in this world. Mm. And so it's a beginning. I still know that I've got a lot to learn and discover about myself and, you know, the different terms and everything so I can just understand myself better. But, um, yeah, gender as well as sexuality is something that, <laughs> gender as well as something new, but it's it's it all comes together and I'm very much queer and I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I mean, I think it's uh, really, really great and I think your kind of pieces definitely that that last one do mm-hmm. do give us a good insight into that for you and um you know it's uh there's a obviously a difference between for anyone does not aware there's a big difference between sexuality and gender and i think um yeah. Particularly, an older generation um, don't really kind of don't really kind of get that, and I think it's a real shame. But you know, having pieces like that, having art form created by queer people, is exactly the way to kind of educate people yeah. and to kind of you know limit the amount, the amount of um, negative ex- experiences queer people do experience. So I really love that piece in particular. Um, one of the things that um, we I remember we had this conversation, and it was back at a night called Poet Poetlopedia. It was, it was actually the night I met you, wasn't it? Mm. Um, and we had this kind of conversation where um, I think I I came to you with a like question, like help me. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, people yeah. that are like uh, people that are bisexual, and um, often in the queer community, there is they're actually this discriminated against a little bit people kind of think well you, you know are you gay or straight like make up your mind exactly. or you know, not are you really bi like yeah. which one do you like more yeah. Or, you know what, what's your understanding of that kind of of, of where that comes from
1: what's mm. mm. my understanding of where that comes from i'm actually <laughs> figuring out my label of that as well bisexual feels like a fit but i feel like right now pansexual is also mm. where i'm at but um they're very similar in the terms and everything. Where does it come from? Uh, I think...
0: That is quite a hard question.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I realised as you asked that, I was like, "Well, oh, that's probably quite uh, tricky. You don't have to, like... You,
1: I mean, I feel like there's kind you. of, like, inviting, in a way, within different communities, mm. if that makes sense. So, yeah, like, within... You know, the black communities, that's the whole issue of colorism within the LGBT community. I guess that's one of the issues like biphobia. Yeah. Um. And so I think, I think it all kind of, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a, you know, biphobia thing in terms of like, you know, people that are heterosexual, but I also think it's that whole... I don't
0: know. It's a weird one. It's a, it is, one. No, it's, it's a I, tricky one. I, just as you were going to say that, I was just thinking, yeah. like, actually, why? why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, is, it is a kind of odd one, I think, as well. Like, lots of... um, So, lots of people that are gay... Mm-hmm. They, when they first come out, they say they're bi mm. as a kind of like halfway step, like, mm. like. and I was one of those people. Mm. Um, and I was like, you know, oh no, don't worry, I'm still like, yeah, you know, yeah. with this, but yeah. I, and and I think it's maybe uh, that's where
1: it stems from.
0: M- maybe it does yeah. kind of stem from that. Mm. I think there's a and I, th- it's, I don't know, <laughs> I think
1: that's the thing. <laughs> We're just exploring, it's, aren't we? Do you know what? I think that's something that I learned as well that labels can shift and change throughout a person's lifetime that's allowed to because at the end of the day you're always going to return to who you are it's not that oh yeah i'm choosing this it's that you're finding the language to encompass something that you've already been Mm. and so i think i think in that sense even though sometimes it can be like that stepping stone for people it's it i mean there's obviously um you know repercussions from that maybe in terms of biphobia but in that essence it's not completely wrong to be like okay i feel i'm figuring out and this feels like the, a better label for me yeah um yeah it's a it's a tricky one it's a tricky i, one. I
0: like think that is kind of the thing with labels is mm. you know they have pros and cons mm. you know if 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 you find yourself um getting tied to a label in a way you didn't intend then okay we'll forget about the labels right but then if a label does give you the affirmation and the kind of confidence Mm -hmm. in yourself then obviously it is a positive so i Mm -hmm. guess for for each kind of person it does like kind of vary but i think the thing i mean just from getting to know you it was great having these kind of conversations with you and like um that's uh you know one of the great things about this art form right is you meet so many different people and uh from so from so many different backgrounds but there's you know, things which you definitely have in common and can kind of chat chat to each other about and learn from each other. And yeah, you were definitely one of those people for me. So um, yeah, it's yeah. just great Same we've here. been able to do this. It
1: was so fun. It was just like, oh my God, we're all like clear.
0: <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was great. Um, Okay, cool. So look, we've now got to the part of the show where we get a recommendation from our guest. So um, let's play, play Eyes and Ears. Love it, love it eyes and ears Okay, that's for you. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah anyway, there we go. So um the eyes and ears is the part of the show where we get a recommendation from our wonderful guest, something for us to take away, something for our eyes to feast on, and something for our ears to find blissful. I think that's the phrase I said last week. um anyway, so yeah, uh, let's hear your eyes first,
1: so my eyes I've
0: actually got two. two oh well, be fair, we all do have two eyes,
1: yeah. <laughs> One for, <laughs> one for each. One for each. One each. You have to close your eyes while you look at each one. Like um, no. <laughs> uh, so the first one, I, um, you know, when I got in, basically, I got into the BBC Words first, Final 12, woo! And when I was doing the masterclass with um, Malika Booker, um, she read this poem that we looked at, and it was called Alabanza in Praise of Local 100 by Martin Espada. Okay. Um, and, oh, it was just, it was a poem written after 9-11 and it was to dedicate to the immigrant workers who were working in the restaurant who had lost their lives. That You know, the peop- it was a honing in of the people that no one else was going to be paying as much attention to. You know, people who maybe didn't have maybe documents or whatever, like just the immigrant workers in that sense. And it was just giving so much life to like their work and um, being in that kitchen and cooking and the way you know martin brought those those people to life it was just it was just beautiful Mm. everyone was feeling it i was feeling i was like oh my goodness it was just so rich and yeah it just taught me a lot um so i think that's a really good thing to check out amazing Um, that is
0: the first eye yes the
1: second eye eye is also something that really really helped me during lockdown and was like helped me to be like oh my god okay gender is this something that is we are questioning it I think it is um it was uh it was actually I mean it's uh, it's on the grinder YouTube channel but mm-hmm. hey why not hey. um and it's called How to Give Birth to Yourself um and there's this line um and I think it goes as queer people we have to give birth to ourselves and it's just kind of like that whole idea of just like getting to know who you really are and like you die once. Oh, there was this line. Oh, I just love the whole, the whole, the whole five minute clip. It's just oh, I don't know what it was. I screen recorded it and saved it onto my gallery because uh-huh. so I was just like, I didn't even know where I was at at the moment, but I just knew it spoke to me. And in the end, the person was like, you know, they're a non binary person, and so it just spoke to me in so many different ways. And um he was like, oh, you know, once we 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 give birth to ourselves, we oh, we we are born twice once when our parents do and then the second time when we return to who we are always meant to be mm, and it was just oh there's so many lines in there and i think it really that's resonated. yeah okay. it was Wait, what was the name of that
0: piece again, say that again?
1: how to give birth to yourself
0: okay mm. lovely cool so we urge people to go and look them up okay brilliant and then what have you got for our
1: so i'm going to be very um Cliche Abner. Not cliche abner, but very typical of what I would say, um, and say Chloe and Halle. <laughs> I absolutely love Chloe and Halle. I've been listening to them since they, you know, for a long time when they were performing covers on YouTube. And their music really helps me. Um, and they're, you know, their sisters. They produce all their music themselves. And they're just examples of, like, really strong, powerful, black, female, femme, mm. Um you know people and I just really look up to them. Um they released a new album called The Ungodly Hour. Um mm-hmm. their old album is The Kids Are Alright. The whole album is beautiful. Um yeah, so I guess Go have a listen, and their music videos for is amazing as well. They just they just slay life. And I'm very I'm a big fan. If you can't tell,
0: well, okay, brilliant. Well, look, those are three great recommendations. We urge people to go and have a little listen to them. Why not? You know, that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, thank you very much for giving those to us. So, look, we're now moving on to the final final bit of this episode. Um, so, the last question that I pretty much always ask my guests is uh what are your plans for the future with your kind of spoken word and your art form what are your goals Mm. obviously we've got bbc words first Mm. coming pretty soon (laughs) but what's your kind of look to the future
1: looking like i really want and believe that i can do it but i want poetry and music to be my full-time career um maybe modeling too because i also model (laughs) (laughs) anyway um But, yeah, mostly those two. Um, And I really want to create, I've been talking about this for quite some time, but I really want to create a full-length show about the different intersections of my identity. Um, So, you know, being queer, growing up uh, from the Ghanaian diaspora and um, growing up Christian and all those intersections and just create a cohesive piece because I feel like I write about it a lot. Um, But just create a creative piece that is just like, set in stone that i can tour i really want to do that Mm. um and to tour music as well um so i just kind of want to keep getting better at my writing get better at my craft and just do it as a career that would be a dream
0: Right. Well, look, I wish you the best with that. I think, look, you've been doing this for two years. You've come on a very, very long way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've even got involved with BBC Radio 1 in that time. So I think that is a testament to what the next two years could be for you. So I really look forward to seeing stuff like that you've just mentioned. And I wish you the best with it. Three wonderful pieces we heard from me. We heard Shallow Tongue, No One Ever Talks About Friendship, Love, and Queer Diaspora. Um each brought us something different to kind of speak about, um, and but they were all kind of sewn together with your delicate delivery and just like really, yeah, I like it. Great writing as well. So look, um, remind people where they can find you on Instagram.
1: So <laughs> you can find me uh at abner underscore E underscore B. So that's A-B-E-N-A underscore E underscore B on Instagram and on Twitter, which I still never get out to
0: use. I, Twitter is such a pain in the ass. Yeah? I just don't I just I don't
1: know what it is. I just I started like when I tr- when I was younger I tried and I just couldn't get
0: it, and now I'm back, and I still <laughs> quite get it. <laughs> I'm so, I found the computer. <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> yeah. No, I um, I, I'm not a fan of Twitter. I thought, in fact, I I wrote a, a very short little piece about it once. It mm-hmm. was like, um, it was all about. Well, it was actually that the turn of the year. <laughs> so naively thinking that it was going to be a good year, but I was like, things that we can do in this year to make it better than the previous ones. Wow, how misguided that was. but One of the ones just was, was like nah. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I said was. Um, uh, turn off Twitter Twitter is like farting in the wind and this year we should be aiming for the shitter is that nice so on that lovely note (laughs) on that lovely note we're going to wrap up and say thank you very much for coming down and sharing your work best of luck with the bbc words first guys listen out for that okay listen out for it we're going to see you representing wordspoken vibes so yeah thank (laughs) you very much cheers everyone we will see you all later next week